If you would turn your Bibles tonight to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 24, if you would. Acts chapter 24. And uh, I am honored to preach tonight. It's never, anything, uh, never a responsibility that I, I take lightly. Um, I love to preach. Uh, there's no hiding that. I, I enjoy it. I think it is, one of, it is the greatest honor that a man could have in this life, I think, to preach the gospel. Because God chose it. He ordained it. And, um, and so I, I think it's a great honor, and, um, and I am I'm so privileged to stand before you tonight and open the Word of God. And I trust that you will look past me tonight and uh, see the Word of God for what it is, because uh, any of you that know me know that I'm a failure, and uh, I am not a perfect person. And uh, yeah, I knew I'd get some amens there. <laughs> all right. And uh, <laughs> quiet in the peanut gallery, all right? And, um, but... Uh, I, I am privileged to preach uh, the Word of God tonight, and I thank Pastor for the opportunity. And uh, it's one thing to preach when he's gone. It's another thing to preach when he's sitting inside the auditorium with you. I almost wish he did walk out the door tonight, and uh, <laughs> it would be a whole lot easier. Uh, Acts chapter 24 tonight, I, I want to bring a thought regarding a couple men um, that are described in the book of Acts. And <clears throat> I trust that we can learn something from these men. Now, Uh, These men are uh, unsaved, I'll say that right up front, and what we're going to learn about of these men is is in their lost, they're in a lost condition, but I believe that they teach principles in their lives that we can apply even in our Christian life, and and so uh, we want to look at these these principles that we can learn this evening uh, in Acts chapter uh, 24, all right, in Acts chapter 24, in verse number 10. All right, Acts chapter 24, verse number 10, the Bible says, Then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do the more cheerfully answer for myself. And when Felix, verse number 22, verse number 22 there, we read 10, so now Paul is answering to the judge, now it's explaining who the judge is. This judge's name is Felix, in verse number 22. And when Felix heard these things, having a more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. So he said, he said hey, all right, I understand what's going on here, but I'm going to wait till Lysias comes, and then we're going to make a decision here uh, on what we should do with you, Paul. In verse number 23, And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul, and uh, to let him have liberty, that he should forbid none of his acquaintances to minister, minister or to come unto him. Uh, kind of under house arrest here. And after certain days, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have convenient season, I will call for thee. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Two years passed, Paul is in, in bonds with Felix, all right? So we see man number one, Felix. Second, if you would just jump ahead with me, two chapters to chapter 26. And we're going to see a, a parallel between these two characters drawn out this evening. So we have Felix, character number one, and, a, and a, uh, chapter 26, verse number one. It says, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. Uh, skip ahead to verse number 27, if you would. In those verses that take place there, all those verses that we just jumped through, Paul gives the gospel to Agrippa is what, he, what happens. He presents the gospel. 
It's in uh, verse number 27, chapter 26. It says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? So he's asked him, he said, you believe everything I just told you about the gospel that I just presented to you? Do you believe that? And Agrippa, as we have heard, and, and, and bemoan as being one of the saddest passages in all of Scripture, I knowest, uh, Paul says, I knowest that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. In these passages that we've read this evening, we see two different characters, and they're really tied into the same character. Uh, Felix are in the same story, the same timeline. Felix is a little bit before Agrippa, but in both cases, Paul is presenting his case for Christ to both of these men. And both of these men are respected men. Both of these men are educated men. Both of these men have a, a, a highlighted testimony, something that's noted about them that caught my eye, really, in this passage. In chapter 24, verse 22, it said of Felix that he had a more perfect knowledge of the way. And in chapter 26, verse 3, it said that Agrippa was an expert in all customs and questions. These two men had something about them that was unique compared to the rest of the leadership. And they were not just uh, self-proclaimed. This was their reputation. And not just among any people, it was the reputation among believers. This is how Paul knew these men, that they were well-learned, that they knew they were more perfect in knowledge than they were experts in all customs. I want to bring a thought tonight about these two men, and we'll, we'll dig it out here a little bit. But I want to bring a thought on expert in religion, being an expert in religion. And uh, we'll trust the Lord to teach us some truths from his word this evening. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this night. And uh, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word, to learn from it. And Lord, I pray that we would focus in and uh, that we would be able to pay attention to what you have for us tonight. Lord, remove my pride. Lord, remove my flesh uh, from this process. May I only say what you'd have me to say. And may we as a church, Lord, uh, have ears to hear what your word has to teach us this evening. Lord, we thank you for this place to gather. We thank you for this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. These two men were experts. Now, unfortunately, I want to note before we get into anything that their knowledge was in vain. All right? Their knowledge was in vain. Now, you may look at these men and, and certainly could say that they were, one was a king and one was a judge. So these men are certainly prosperous. And, and I think that's worth noting in this passage. If you know anything about these characters, uh, they were prospering in a time of, of persecution. Uh, uh, persecution against Christianity, and you'd say, man, do, does the world really prosper when Christianity is, is being subjected? Yeah, they did, absolutely does. And, uh, and the world is at large here, and so we see these, these believers in this passage, <clears throat> these, believers in this, or these unbelievers in this passage, Felix and Agrippa, are prospering. They are, they are rulers, they are wealthy, they are well off, and they have great knowledge. Disciplined, education, uh, educated, involved in society, they were even exposed to great preaching as we saw by Paul. Yet these two men were lost. These two men were lost. And, and that's, that's a sad statement. Because they had every opportunity to be saved. They were presented the gospel by the Apostle Paul. If there ever was a soul winner who could communicate the gospel, man, certainly point at Saul, certainly point at Saul and say, that's the man. And so we see, though you gain the whole world, it's in vain if you lose your own soul. And it's so true, and it's even echoed in these, these characters tonight. Unfortunately, I think sometimes the church has people like that in it as well. Educated, well-informed, 
sit under good preaching and yet still lost. That can certainly be the case. If that's you tonight, I would strongly encourage you to get it settled, to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. But tonight, I, I want to learn some lessons. I want us to learn some lessons from these men. Yes, they were unsaved, but they were experts in their religion. They were experts in what they knew. And in their fields, they, they, were, they were the epitome of knowledge. And I believe as Christians tonight, if we're not careful, we can begin to put on a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. We can put on the show, but not have the power. <clears throat> Let's look at a couple things that define what an expert in religion is. And you may say, well, that's not me. I'm not, a, I'm not a professional Christian. Well, let's look at some truths tonight. And would you be honest enough to just evaluate yourself with these truth, truths? And would you be honest enough with yourself to say, okay, if I see these things in me, then I, I'll, I'll correct them. You know, that's the, that's the difficulty with preaching. Yes, it brings us to a point of decision, but then what do we do after that? What do we do after the decision? The first thing I want us to notice tonight, if you'll look in Acts chapter 24. Let's jump back to where we started. Chapter 24 in verse number 25. It says here of Felix, and Paul reasoned with him of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. If you would look with me, we're going to jump back and forth between 24 and 26. So keep a finger in there. Let's look at chapter 26 and verse number 28. It says here, Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Here we see two responses from these men who were educated. They were, they were, they were professionals. They were professional in, their, in religion. Um, they knew it all. But when it came down to hearing the gospel, these two men almost have identical responses. Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for a time. Let me think about this. And then Paul answers, Agrippa answers unto Paul and says, almost thou... Sound at all now? (laughs) Man. It's how it is. The devil, we, we don't know. This sound system, we're constantly trying to work out the bugs in it. And uh, maybe the devil, the devil just want, doesn't want this to get across tonight, because he's certainly doing a number on me. Um, and uh, let's, so let's focus in, no matter where the sound goes, okay? The first thing that I want to mention tonight is that a, a professional Christian will rarely be convinced. A professional Christian or an expert in religion will rarely be convinced. Now, that's not to say tonight that Christians ought to be gullible. That we ought to believe everything that comes across the radar. Even that we ought to take every single thing that we ever hear from the pulpit as being gospel. Now, I'm not saying that our preacher preaches heresy, but I'm saying you ought to take it as though it's the word of God. And you ought to inspect it. And you ought to make sure it's accurate. You ought to make sure it reflects what the word of God teaches. But what I am saying is, can you be convinced? Can you be convinced of truth? And I think far too often, if we're not careful, if we're not guarded in our lives... Uh, we can rarely be convinced of truth when we begin to feel as though we've heard it all. I've heard this message before. I've heard this truth before. I've, I've heard this preached. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what your response may be. But I know that I've sat and, tu- and, and honestly, let me just be honest with you, I have tuned out a message before it's even begun because I understood the principle that was being presented in the first phrase. 
I turned off the, and, and, and what that is, is it's a reflection on me having a know-it-all attitude. And again, tonight, let me be careful not to say that I'm just saying, not just saying that you won't be convinced of men. You won't be convinced of the Holy Spirit. You won't be convinced of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I can grieve the Holy Spirit of God in my life. Yes, I can keep him from being able to fellowship with me and me fellowship with him. But if I'm not being convicted by the Holy Spirit of God, if I'm sitting message after message after message and not being uh, convinced of something by the Holy Spirit of God, is it because I'm not listening or is it because he's not speaking? The truth of the matter is the Holy Spirit never gives off speaking. The truth is that I often stop listening. And that's when I stop being convinced by him. When I stop listening. When I stop allowing his voice to correct me. When I stop allowing his voice to to change me. There's a great dialogue in 2 Corinthians between Paul and the Corinthian church where they're accusing Paul of just preaching his own gospel, really. You're just making this stuff up. We don't even really believe you're under the authority of God. And some of these things you're teaching us, they just seem to be ridiculous. Is this really even of God? And, and, and Paul, Paul says, it's, a good, it's, it's amazing. You read it, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter, I thought I had it written down here. Um, but regardless, 2 Corinthians, he, he's, he's dial, dialing, it's not dialing, talking with them. And, and he's saying to them, hey, you're, it's a good thing I'm there, not there with you right now because I'd rip your faces off. He says, it's a good thing I'm over here and I have to write this letter to you. I think this is God protecting me from losing my Christianity with you because you're, 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 you're reprobate right now. And you need to check yourself. You need to examine yourself to see if uh, what I'm saying is not true or you just don't want to hear from God. And when we become expert in our Christianity, we are rarely convinced. Recently, it, more recently, I should say, there was a debate between Ken Ham and uh, uh, Nye, Bill Nye, the science guy. And you knew going right into that debate that nobody was going to change their mind. Nobody was going to. Yeah, it was a great debate. And we say, oh, he won. This guy won. That guy won. He, he just crushed him. He had all the facts. He had all the knowledge. It, it, you know, it didn't matter. Neither one of those people were going to change their mind. They were both convinced of something already. And they were professionals in their area. And they didn't feel like as though they needed to change their viewpoint. And that's how sometimes we approach preaching. Sometimes how we approach the word of God. We feel as though we know it all. And again, I understand I'm speaking to an experienced crowd, and that's where we get after experience. I've heard this before. I know what this truth is. It, it doesn't really matter to me. And, and it's a sad fact that, uh, that the pastor can preach and preach and preach and preach a, a message, and then a, an evangelist come in and preach the same message. We're like, man, I haven't heard a message like that in years. Yeah, no. No. You may have heard it from a different voice, Because you came in to listen. You came in to to pay attention. There was nothing new that Brother uh, Brother Moon preached. There was nothing new. But the response. Why was it different? Because we came to listen. It's not same old, same old. It's not just pastor. We hear him every week. You know, it's, it's professional Christianity. I'm checking the box. 
I'm going through the motion. I'm coming to church on Sunday morning. I'm coming to church on Sunday night. I'm coming to church on Wednesday night. I'm in my place. I'm in my ministry. I'm singing my special music. But is it just professionalism? Is it just expertise? Is it a more perfect knowledge of how a Christian should look? Or is it a relationship with God? Is it a walk with God? And I I have often been convicted in my spirit when I leave every summer with these teens to go to camp. And I prepare my heart in a different way to go to camp or to go to a conference than I do every single weekend before I come to church. What do we do on Saturday night? We hop on the television, we get on this, and we're distracted, we're on the phone, we're flipping, we're scrolling, we're clicking, we're sending through pictures, we're liking, we're sharing, we're doing everything except preparing. And I'm guilty of it as well. And so we come in and we hear truth. And no, yeah, or I should say yes, the Holy Spirit of God is working, but no, the, the lives aren't changed like they should be. Why am I changed? And oftentimes just because I won't be convinced. You think about Sodom. You think about Lot. Man, what about Lot? I would call Lot a professional Christian. That's the epitome of it. Lot knew his tent should not be cast towards Sodom. Lot was influenced by family members who wanted him to go the right direction. Abraham. Abram. And yet Lot went down. Would not be convinced that this was the wrong place for him. And so he gets down in Sodom and he gets, begins to live this lifestyle. And even when the preachers of God, straight from heaven, angels come to convince Lot that he needs to get his family members and he needs to get out of the city, he would not be convinced. Would not be convinced. In Genesis chapter 19, it says, And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord, being merciful unto him, they brought him forth and set him without the city. Now, thank God, there have been times that I've not been convinced of truth. I can think of specific scenarios in my life where I was not being convinced of truth. But thank God for his mercy, just like the Lord being merciful. I tell you, there have been a time or two that the that the hand of God has reached down and drugged me out of something that I should have been able to make a decision to get out of myself. The Holy Spirit wanted me to make a decision and spoke to me about it, but I would not be convinced. I would not be moved. Professional Christians will not be convinced. And so, as I wrap that point up, are you an expert in your religion? When is the last time the Holy Spirit of God spoke to you, pointed a topic out, and you acted upon it? Now, I'm not saying that you came to the altar. I'm not saying that you came down here and made the decision, even. When's the last time you followed through? You know why I'm so convinced that we are not convinced of things? Because of the message that Brother Moon preached just a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night about hell. Why is it that only 30% of a church, 20% of a church? I think our average here at our church is maybe a little higher than most. Most churches around 10% people go soul winning. Why? Because we're not convinced. 
we are not, simply, we are not convinced. We are not convinced it's more important than time. Because that's the only time we can have family time, when the church is orchestrated as a team to go out and reach our community. We're not convinced. What's the truth in your life? What has God been trying to, hey, has God called you, man? Has, has young, young man, old man, any man in this room, has God called you? But you won't give up what you're doing? You won't give up the job? You won't surrender to his will? What has God spoken to you about recently and have you acted upon it? Are you convinced from God's word? We need to be convinced. If not, we are professional, just like Felix and Agrippa. Secondly, this evening, you jump back to chapter 24 with me, if you would. <clears throat> Acts chapter 24 and verse number 25. Acts chapter 24, verse number 25. And Paul is speaking again to, to Felix. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Sounds like preaching, right? As he reasoned, presented thoughts, they were logical, they were in order of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Look at verse 26. I want you to note this. How sad is this? He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. Here's, here's Felix. Here's the preaching. He hears the preaching of God's word. And it convicts him. He trembles. And he sends him away. He sends him away. Let me think about this. When it's convenient for me, I'll call you back. But then that verse number 26. He hoped also that money should be given him. So he called him back again and again and again. Communed with him oftener. Repeatedly called him back and had conversation with Paul. Regarding the gospel, I'm sure every single time Paul was in front of this man, Felix, he's presenting the gospel. Calls him back over, 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 and over again. What truth do we see here? Well, a professional Christian will endure conviction to achieve personal satisfaction. A professional Christian will endure conviction to achieve personal satisfaction. Felix here, he hoped that he would receive some money. He hoped that he would get a bribe to release Paul. And so in order to increase his chances of receiving a bribe, he calls him back over and over and over again, lets Paul preach to him. He endures the conviction over and over and over and over again, simply so that he might be able to get a bribe. Now, you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like us coming to church because we know it's what we ought to do. And it makes us feel good because this is the place we're supposed to be. And we listen to the preaching over and personal satisfaction. That's the only purpose in it. The only purpose is that, yes, I marked off my box. I am at church because this is where I'm supposed to be. Have you ever found yourself there? At church because it's where you're supposed to be. Now, don't be wrong. I understand. And you feel as though dragging. And you just drag yourself into church because that's where you're supposed to be. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your ministry, your service, your presence at church is a feeling of accomplishment. I'm doing this for me. 
Maybe you sing in the choir because it's like, oh man, I'm serving the Lord. I'm singing in the choir. Yeah, I get to be up in front of people and this is so great. It's like achieving that pat on the back from God. I've done my duty and I feel great about it. Felix endured conviction over and over and over again simply so that he could just be satisfied with fulfilling his duty for the temporary. When you come to church and you serve in a ministry just to gratify your flesh, look at me, I'm serving. Look at me, I'm in front of people. Look at me, look at how good of a Christian I am. It's a show, it's a demonstration. If, if you do your Christianity that way, all you're doing is living for the now. You're not living for eternity. It's about this makes me happy right now. Maybe it could be broken down, what I'm trying to say, into two words, ulterior motive. Another reason to serve God besides God. Me. Self. If there's one character in the Bible who stands out with this character trait, uh, above the rest is certainly Jonah. You think about Jonah, and as he, as he approaches Nineveh, I mean, I, yeah, sure, he didn't want to go in the first place, ran the other way, yeah, after the ocean, after the whale, after being spit out, all of that. Finally, finally he's convinced by God he should go. And then he winds up there. And as he's there, he's preaching a message, hoping that they'll refuse it so that way they'll burn. But he just knew that's what he had to do. He had to stop running from God, so he went ahead and did it because that's what he had to do. He, he just he checked the box. I'm supposed to deliver this message. I'm going to deliver it, but I'm not going to like it. And a matter of fact, I'm going to hope that they just burn. That I preach judgment to come and they ignore it. And then here he is. I mean, he's like, hey, repent, repent. And he's got a marshmallow stick, you know, and he's hoping fire is going to fall as he's preaching repent. I mean, that's, that's, that's where Jonah was at. Do we sit here? Do we attend church? Do we go through the, the, the motions of Christianity? I, I mentioned it earlier. Having a form of, of godliness, but denying the power thereof. If, if you're not a genuine Christian, you know what you are? You're, let me rephrase. If I'm not a genuine Christ, Christian, I'm a real cheat. I'm a fraud. I'm a fake. And I'm robbing myself of the relationship that I should have with God. And that's the truth of it. And here, here we learn from an unsaved man that sometimes unsaved or even believers alike will sit and endure preaching over and over and over and again, listening to messages, but never changing, never being convinced, but checking the box. I'm here, I'm doing my part. Feel good about it. Such a, a, a you're robbing yourself of so much good. You're robbing yourself of so many blessings. You're robbing yourself of what God wants to give. Have a genuine walk with God. Have a real relationship with Him. Professional Christians. I'm going to skip over some stuff here, and let's move to the last thought. Look with me, if you would, in Acts chapter 24 and verse number 25. <clears throat> Acts chapter 24 and verse number 25. It says, and as he reasoned of righteousness and temperance and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, go thy way for this time. Look at this next phrase here. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. 
verse 27, but after two years. But after two years. Those two, those phrases there, when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee, but after two years. Two years. Two years passed by and there was yet to be found a convenient season for Felix to release Paul. Two years. The last point that I'd like us to note from these men, these professional these professionals in religion is that an expert Christian will be involved but never inconvenienced. You see, Felix constantly called him back. He was engaged in the process. Let me hear your story. And he even brought in Agrippa and he allowed other people to come and he he had conversation with Paul throughout those two years. But apparently the convenient season never came. The convenient time for him never came and we if we're not careful in our christianity in becoming a professional christian will only serve the lord in convenience not inconvenience and this is a way for us to tell if we've just become a professional christian if you only do it when it fits in your schedule you're a professional after all is not the m that not the mo of a professional i'll put it on the schedule and when the time comes then i'll make it happen I'll make it happen. If, if it's convenient. If it's convenient. It'll never come. Your chance to serve the Lord will never come if you wait for the moment of convenience. It has to be done in the inconvenient. The church is so, they're, they're just so inconsiderate of my schedule and I can never get anything done with family. I can't even plan a birthday party because there's always something going, there's always something to do. Yes. Because there's a world that needs to be reached. There's a city that needs the gospel. No, there is not a a convenient time for that. But it has to be put on the schedule. And we have to be willing to be inconvenienced for the cause of Christ. But when we become professional in our Christianity, we will only serve within the confines of convenience. And when you start to drift away from God, mark my words this evening, when you drift away from God and you just have the form but deny the power, you will disengage yourself from the schedule of the church. You will stop serving. I know. Your schedule's full. I understand. Your schedule is full with the things that you prioritize. My schedule is full with the things that I prioritize. Sure, we'll be involved. I have to be there for church, so I can serve in nursery. Yep, I, mean, I got to be there at 6 o'clock anyway. I can do that. Not, not that I'm saying that's not sacrifice, all right? I don't want that job. Thursday night soul winning? Are you crazy? That's the only free night I have this week. It's the only night, and you want me to come out on Thursday. we're busy Christians are busy and I I believe that wholeheartedly that (laughs) that is a tactic of the devil to keep us busy occupied with our lives instead of occupied with eternity what do we consider sacrifice Felix was waiting for a convenient season well, that implies that he was going to have to sacrifice something in his time for it to become convenient. Today we talk of sacrifice. We talk of our, 
our busy schedules and we're going to have to give up so much in order to do these things. To serve, to be a witness, to be involved. I know I've, I guess for lack of a better word, harped on some things in the church schedule. We have the spring promotion going on. We've got, yes, that's true. But even in our own lives on a daily basis, outside of this schedule, don't get caught up in with, he's just pushing church things. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm talking about a professional Christian has no time in their daily walk with God because it's not convenient. I mean, it, it, can, it boils down to the simple truth of that. When, when did you walk with God? An hour and a half on Facebook. That was great. You know, it's truth. It's, it's truth. It's convenient. And that's how the world gets us. It gets us with convenience. And that convenience it consumes our time. It's, the church is just, it's inconvenient. Serving God is inconvenient. He wants so much from me. He requires so much sacrifice from me. Again, we could compare our sacrifice to the sacrifice of God's son, and every single time we do it, comes up pale in comparison. Our sacrifice is nothing. You ever had to set up an appointment with a cable TV man? never convenient never that home repair guy the, the, the guy coming in who wants to gotta take a day off of work the dentist it's never it's never convenient yet we always fit it in the schedule even to get cable internet we fit it in the schedule because that's important how can you live without internet today we can't it's impossible. <clears throat> Far too often, we only serve when it's convenient. We only walk with God in convenience. And that is professional Christianity. Later on in chapter 26, <clears throat> Agrippa says to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me. It wasn't convenient for him either. There was something holding him back as well. Felix was waiting for a convenient time, and, and Agrippa, well, maybe he just didn't like the peer pressure. Maybe he didn't like the fact that he would be rejected by some friends around him. Maybe he didn't want to be seen as weak, uh, giving into a faith. I don't, I don't know what it was, but it just wasn't convenient for him. But... Here we see from these men who were professional in their religion that they would only do things in their convenience instead of being inconvenient. And I want to challenge us this evening to make sure that we're not professional in our Christianity. That we're not professional. Are you rarely convinced? I have sat down with people and opened up the word of God and shown a truth before. I've knocked on a door and I've said, wouldn't it be great news if you could know today you're on your way to heaven? Wouldn't you want to know that? Sure. Been through the whole gospel. And at the end, eh, I don't know. Maybe later. Just not convinced. Are you rarely convinced beyond just hearing it? Does the change come? Will you endure conviction to check the box? Personal satisfaction? Do you come to church just in the motion of it? 
because it's what I'm supposed to do, but it's just for personal gratification? Will you be involved but not inconvenienced? These are all signs of professional Christianity in our lives. We put on the show. We put on on the clothes. We play the part. Professional Christianity. We don't have to be professional Christians. It's not what God intends for us to do. He doesn't want to be professional. He wants us to be genuine. He wants us to have a legitimate and true walk with him. That's what he wants from us. Not, not us to be super polished, not us to be, hey, here I am, this, that's not what it, no, he wants us just to simply walk with him. He doesn't want the show, he wants genuineness, re- realness, no facade, no put on, he wants a real walk with God. Doesn't matter how you look down here, doesn't matter how you look on this level, what do you look like from his perspective? That's what's important. If you want to avoid becoming an expert Christian, be convinced. If there are things that the Holy Spirit of God tonight or any other message or in your reading or uh, in a conversation where you're talking about the things of God and God pricks your heart, work on that thing. Don't let it pass by. Don't let it come in one ear and out the other. Don't come down to the altar and make a decision. Don't fill out a decision card and forget it a couple days later. Uh, You make a decision. The Lord speaks to you. Act it out. Work out. Work it out. Make it happen in your life. Be convinced that what he's saying is important and he wouldn't have said it to you or told you to do it if it wasn't important. It's no joke. When God speaks to us, we need to take it seriously. You want to avoid becoming an expert Christian? Act upon his conviction. Don't endure it. Felix, he endured it over and over and over again. But act upon it. The Lord doesn't require a lot from us. He doesn't. He really doesn't. It says, actually, in the Word of God in Micah chapter 6, all that he requires of thee is to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Humble yourself daily before the Lord. Act upon his conviction in your life. Don't just endure it. Don't just have the, the form. Act upon it. If you, don't want, if you want to avoid becoming an expert Christian, be a genuine servant be inconvenienced there is very little in life that is convenient really just what we prioritize what it is there's very little in life that's convenient jobs are not convenient hours are not convenient having restrictions and schedules are not convenient in any way but we prioritize and we our character is instilled in us and we understand we've got to put things in their place and we do that that's what the Christian life is we got to learn to be a servant. Take Christ's example. That was his purpose. What he lived to be. 100%. No other reason but to be a servant. Okay. The cross, the crucifixion, the whippings, the beatings, the mockings. Never convenient for Christ. But he came for one reason. And so he did it. Can I deny the cup the Father has given to me? No can't do it because this is my purpose and we've been given a responsibility a responsibility as believers we must be willing to be inconvenienced i understand this is you know sunday nights and typically on a sunday night or a wednesday night you're preaching to a group of people that love the lord and i'm not saying you don't 
you preach it to a group of people who want to grow genuine, generally. You want to grow. You want something more than beyond, okay, I'm just going to attend a service on Sunday morning because that makes me feel good. But if we're not careful, if we're not guarded, we can easily slip into a routine of Christianity. And really, that's what this professionalism boils down to. We've got a routine. And we just go about our routine because we know how it all operates. We know how it runs. We know how it goes. <clears throat> I think that's one of the reasons that revivals at church are, are so important. Not because it's a different message, just because it messes up your routine. And you're at church on a night you're normally at, not at church, and it's like, man, what am I doing here on Monday night? I better listen. And if I came here, I might as well listen. Instead of sitting at home. I, I really genuinely believe that's, that's why they, are, they have more, a little bit more effectiveness, it seems, in some way. Because it takes us out of our routine, shakes us up a little bit. <clears throat> and so, don't get caught stuck in that rut. I heard once said that a routine is just a rut, or no, that a, a rut, I'm sorry, a rut is just a grave with the ends knocked out of it. <clears throat> and that's true. If you get stuck in a rut in your Christianity, it's where you go to die. It's where your Christianity will go to die if you're just stuck in a rut. Going through the motions. Going through the, the, the schedule. This is just how it is. Here because I'm supposed to be. And uh, it's professional Christianity. I believe you want to avoid it. I want to avoid it. And so let's be on guard against it. <clears throat> be convinced. Don't endure conviction. Respond to it. Be involved, even if it means inconvenience. Let's bow our heads and pray this evening. Father, Lord, we do thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for your word.